thanks be to God that we are not judged only by one growing season, but that we are judged and we are given time. God is patient with us. Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First United Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Strebeck. Today's Bible verse is Matthew chapter 13, 24 through 30. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning again. Uh, this morning, uh, we continue our series uh, on, we're calling Lakeside with the Rabbi, where we follow Jesus around the Sea of Galilee uh, as he interacts with his disciples and as he interacts with the crowds and as he continues to teach them at this point in parables about the kingdom of heaven and what in the world he means by the kingdom of heaven and how we enter the kingdom of heaven. So this week, as I was studying this particular passage, uh, I was at the TA truck stop drinking coffee, and uh, the waitress, she looked at me and noticed that I was studying, and she said, uh, hey man, are you uh, in school or something? And I said, no ma'am, I'm not in school, you know, just catching up on a little studying and kind of trying to get away for a minute, and she said, well, are you a lawyer? And I said, no, ma'am, I'm afraid it's worse than that. I said, I'm a pastor. <laughs> and she said, uh, oh, okay, okay. And that's, so again, no, no offense to my good friends that are lawyers in the room. Um, but yeah, we, we just, apparently we, we're known for studying. So I guess that's a good thing. But it's, it was fascinating to study the history of interpretation on this passage, where we, we affectionately refer to this as the parable of the wheat and the tares, or the wheat and the weeds. And there's great interpretive history uh, in the church on this parable. And so some of the interpretation has leaned towards this is a parable about taking action, but while we take action, let's be patient. So, for example, uh, St. Jerome said, we still need to weed out the heretics, and we still need to kick their tails, and these people that are schismatics and spreading false teaching like we we still need to you know get them out of here but we don't need to kill them (laughs) so that was the concession and then other people in the tradition have said you know this is really a parable about contemplation about quietly patiently not being too quick to judge and just learning to wait for the coming of the kingdom waiting for God to do his work and us not getting too preoccupied 
with uh, playing God, so to speak. The commonality in all of that interpretation, whether it be let's jump to action or let's contemplate, has been that both of them were recognized as needing and requiring patience. This is a parable that has called us to patience for 2,000 years. And I don't have to tell you that it's really, really hard to be patient. To be patient. And that the call of the church has always been, in some respect, to be patient. It's very difficult to be patient, and it's very difficult to find good examples of patience in our life, in our communities. And so we really notice it. It really stands out to us when we see a healthy patience being exercised, and we're drawn to it. And so it is a fruit of the Spirit. Remember, it's part of the fruit of the Spirit. And so, you know, it occurs to me in reading this parable that what is there in life that's really worth doing that doesn't require patience? I mean, if you've given your life to teaching, or you've given your life to parenting, or you've given your life to running a business, or you've given your life to any number of things, you can think about the things that are really worthwhile, and you're going to shake your head and go, oh yeah, that takes a lot of patience. I look at the teachers in the room and the counselors in the room and go, it's, it's an exercise in patience. Parenting is an exercise in patience. And so we look at this text that Jenny read for us, and Jesus is telling them another parable. And it's one of these great times where Jesus not only tells the parable, but then later he pulls the disciples aside and says, hey guys, let me explain to you what I'm talking about here, okay? Let me parse it out for you in plain English. Well, it wasn't English at the time, but for us, plain English. Uh, and he says, look, in case you haven't figured it out, I'm telling a story. This is not a parable about how to farm. This is not a, 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 you know, a farmer's almanac about how to handle weeds. This is about how to be in the world when you see evil. So he said, there's a man who goes out and sows some seed. And he says, that is the son of man. Jesus said, that's me. I'm sowing seed constantly, just like in the previous parable. And he said, the good seed that is sown in the wheat field, this is the children of the kingdom. Right? These are the children that belong to me, that have, that have uh, sworn allegiance to me, that have believed in me and have begun to wrap their lives around my way of being in the world. He said, this field that I'm farming, this is the world. This wheat field is the world that we're working in together. And But while everyone's sleeping, there's an enemy that came. And he says, that enemy is the devil. And the devil has sowed weeds in the midst of our wheat field. And he said, these weeds that the devil has sown are the children of the evil one. He said, so you'll recognize them. They're going to be different. <clears throat> and so, of course, the plants begin to come up, and the servants look around and go, uh, hey, master, <laughs> did you forget to plant uh, some good wheat in this field? Because we see a bunch of weeds. That's what we see. And he said, no, I'm going to tell you an enemy has done this. An enemy has come in and this has happened. And you love the zeal, even in the parable of the servants. It reminds us of the disciples, the times they go, Jesus, these people over here, like, can, can we just, they're, they're living in a way that's different than the way you're teaching. Can we just go torch them? Can we go set it all on fire? And Jesus is like, wait a second, wait a second. Patience. Then how did the weeds get there? An enemy has done this. And so Jesus says, rather than go out and gather the weeds right now, as soon as you recognize them, he says, because if you pull them up by the roots, you're going to pull up a bunch of wheat too. And that's precious children of the kingdom. So let's not do that yet. But let's wait until the harvest. 
And he says the harvest is the end of the age. It's the time of judgment, right? It's when everything shakes out at the end. And the angels will come. These are the reapers. And they'll gather the weeds first. And they'll bind them in bundles. And they'll throw them in the fire. And he said these weeds are uh, the cause, all the causes of evil and lawlessness and sin. All the lawbreakers that we see. And he says then we're going to gather the wheat into the barn. The children of the kingdom. We're going to gather them in the barn. And they will shine like the sun in the kingdom of my Father. Let he who has ears let him hear. This parable introduces evil as an explanation for why some things are happening in the world that the disciples are farming in, that they're growing in, the world that Jesus is doing his ministry in. He's saying, look, the evil that you see around you is not because the gospel doesn't work. It's not because there's something wrong with God. It's not because there's something wrong with how this goes. There's not a deficiency in the gospel, but evil has been introduced into the equation. Uh, when we read, when you come into the ordination process in the Methodist church, the second question on your written, on your doctrinal examination is uh, exploring the reality of evil. It says, what is your understanding of evil as it exists in the world? And it's one of my favorite questions. It was one of my favorite questions to write when it was my turn. And as I've been on the Board of Ordinary Ministry and watched so many questions come through as people have been applying, it's one of my favorite questions to read. It's also one of the most disappointing questions that we sometimes read because people sometimes just fail to reckon with the reality of evil. And I read their answers and I go, what world are you living in? What world, what Pollyanna world are you living in? Like evil is a real awful and terrible thing. It has to be bad enough that it makes sense to us when we realize that one day part of the good news of the gospel is that all evil will be destroyed. It will be thrown into a fire and burned away. All of the evil will be purged. It will be gone. Even death, which is the last enemy, Paul says, will be destroyed because of the resurrection. So it's important to recognize evil for what it is and to affirm as Christians that we believe in the resurrection of the body, that we believe in the life everlasting, and that we believe in the judgment of the living and the dead, for this vindicates the goodness of God in a world that is filled with evil. St. Augustine said it this way when he was commenting on this parable. He said, he said, imagine God saying to you that the evil that you see around you, just think about the, the most awful evil realities you see in the world. He said, they will be with you in the field. But Augustine says, take comfort in knowing. Imagine God saying to you, take comfort in knowing that they will not be with us in the barn. He said, when I gather it all in in that final harvest, he said, you won't see it anymore. You won't have to live with it anymore. You won't have to reckon with it anymore. And it occurs to me that this, maybe especially for victims or for those who have been on the short end of some really awful things, this is a very encouraging parable in that respect to imagine that one day the evil that has been a part of our lives will be gone. It will be gone entirely. And that is part of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what about patience? Back to patience. What, what is patience? How do we get in on patience? 
Patience, as Paul tells us, is part of the fruit of the Spirit, right? It's one of those things that if you see someone living in the Spirit, this is the season of Pentecost, we celebrate the coming of the Spirit, you see someone who's alive in the Spirit, you will see patience. And if you don't see patience in me or in us, then we're, we're still, you know, we're still coming along. We got some work to do. The fruit of the Spirit, patience, is available to everyone. That's one of the great things about the Spirit. No one is, uh, every, it's available to everyone. The, the work of God through the Holy Spirit is open to everyone. So we're often, and I'm, I'm the world's worst, of saying things like, well, I'm just not a patient person. You know, some people, they're just naturally patient. I'm just not a patient person. I think you'll all agree that there's no such thing as a naturally patient person. <laughs> if someone's patient, it's because they've done some work, right? And they've really got to a point where they can genuinely be patient because no one has just enough natural patience in them to endure some of the things that we endure. So uh, patience is available to everyone. And patience is not the same as saying just sit idly by and just don't do anything. Just kick back in your recliner and your little Christian recliner and just say, hey, it's all good. I'm just going to let the world go by. That's, that's not patience. Patience is actually something that informs our actions, and it brings peace to the circumstances that we're involved in. Patience comes to us and around us when we, co- when we cooperate with the Holy Spirit, when we exercise the virtue of patience. Right? And sometimes patience can be cultivated by all these little exercises. Again, parenting, uh, teaching. All these things can be great teachers of patience if we'll allow them to be so. So I mentioned in the history of interpretation, you had action over here and you had contemplation over here that both required patience. It's a great time to talk about action and contemplation. We look at the world around us and we see things that need to be acted upon. We see justice that requires action. We see uh, that the fields are ripe for harvest and we have work to do, so let's act, right? Let's move. And I was reminded as I was thinking about the way we act patiently in a world filled with evil. If any of you are nurses or your doctors, you are familiar with the Hippocratic Oath, which includes the statement, do no harm. It's also familiar to us as Methodists because in the general rules of Methodists, so this was real basic, if you wanted to be a Methodist back in the day, uh, you had to come to a class meeting, you know, so just think about Sunday school. You had to come to the class meeting. You had to get your ticket if you wanted to be a part of the deal. So that's, that was it. You had to come to the class meeting, and you had to get involved, and you had to learn the general rules. You had to say, this is the way I'm going to live. And guess what the first general rule, there's only three. The first general rule of being a Methodist is do no harm. Do no harm. Because Wesley recognized, and Christians have long recognized, that if we are patient and we are minding the business of allowing our own lives to be transformed, and we don't too quickly act on things that we don't understand, and we don't too rashly act and get ourselves into a big mess and just tear things up, that we'll be a lot further along than if we just go in guns blazing, which is very tempting to all of us. So do no harm is a big deal, is very important, because God is gracious and merciful. God is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. So we work patiently. When we contemplate, when we pray, when we direct our attention lovingly to God, we do so patiently. This is a really hard one, too. Maybe the season of vacations is a good time to recalibrate 
to exercise the gift of patience in prayer. Maybe uh, for sometimes it just takes a little time to get away, to, you know, set the dials back right. Or some of you, you know, you're in the habit of exercising or you have a long commute to work and there's a time where you go, you know what, before I turn the news on, before I turn the podcast on, before whatever, I'm just going to take a few moments to recenter and to patiently pray, to look to Christ for my own transformation and for the transformation of the world. As we're patient and as we look, Augustine, again, another great thing that he said about this parable, he said, we're, the reason that we're all mixed together in the world, the reason that we're all mixed together, wheat and tares, and here we are, he said, one of the reasons is so that we will be refined, so that the wheat will be refined. He's like, we're gonna, we need to be tested, we need to be refined like gold. He said, and this is a great way to do it. He said, the other reason that God has allowed this is that we, by our way of life, will actually draw sinners to the way of life in Christ. So we're here to be tested, and we're here to draw others into the way of life, the fruit of the Spirit, and that's part of why this is going on. So who exactly do we have to be patient with as long as we're being patient? And I just got two groups, just real simple here. The first group that we have to be patient with, of course, is obvious in the parable. We have to be patient with the world around us. Again, this does not mean that we sit idly by and we ignore sin and we ignore evil. But what it does mean is that we do not give up on the world. We play the long game. Or we look at a life, or we look at a family, or we look at something that's going on, and we don't immediately give up, but instead we look at the long game and say, what would it take for that person or that family or that institution to be transformed by Christ? What it means to have patience with the world is to release people to God, to, for us to stop holding on to what we sometimes would love to take control of as their destiny and releasing them to God and say, you know what? I'm not going to judge them in that way. Now, do not judge. Remember, Jesus said this in a couple of different ways. But do not judge does not mean, uh, it, it doesn't mean that we're neglecting to identify evil. What do not judge means here is to don't, you know, resist the temptation to play God which is really hard to resist the temptation to play God. But instead, we, we identify evil, and we call evil what it is, and we say, you know what, Lord? Would you deal with evil? Will you judge this in your time? And will you help us stay away from it? And will you transform that person or that thing, that reality? Allowing time for the miracle of transformation is critical. We can't talk about being patient with the world, with others, the, the world that we're called to love. We can't talk about that without, I think, talking about the need to be patient with ourselves. How many of you, if you're like me, you are much more critical of yourself than you are of the world around you? And we don't think about the commandment to do not judge, to not play God as applying to me and how I look at myself and us, and how we look at ourselves. One of the early church fathers said that God the farmer, he patiently gardens, 
and his implement of choice, right? His gardening tool of choice is the cross. So he tills the seedbed. He tills the rocky soil. He tills the thorny soil. He tills the bare path with the implement of the cross. He drags mercy through the ground, and he breaks up the hardness of heart. He breaks up the hard ground. And that is good news to us and our crusty hearts. To be patient with ourselves is to become reacquainted with grace, to return to the source of grace, and to not judge ourselves too harshly. Again, this is not a call to excuse our sin or to excuse our willful sin or our waywardness, but it is a call to quit thinking of our sin as somehow worse than everybody else's or something that's unredeemable even if we declare week in and week out that we believe in the forgiveness of sins. Good spiritual guides, good Sunday school teachers, good pastors, good parents, good teachers help us recognize our limitations as they help us to be gracious with ourselves as we deal appropriately with evil, but we do it in the right way. And we grow properly over time. As I wrap up this sermon, uh, I want to just say a word of thanks in, the, in your presence as a church uh, for leadership that has happened in my life, that just happened to be for the last three years, uh, my district superintendent. Her name is Catherine Boren. Uh, you've met her. She's been here among us, and she has moved now. She's serving a church in Santa Fe. This is actually her first Sunday. Uh, and so we're getting a new DS. His name is Les Hall. I'm really excited about that. Uh, but uh, it occurred to me as I was writing this sermon that of the people who have been patient with me and have encouraged me to be patient with myself, Catherine has been one of the front runners. She's an excellent spiritual guide. And she would notice the things that were mine to carry and the things that I would try to carry that were not mine to carry. She would say, now, Ryan, I'm not so sure that that's yours to carry. You know, you do your work and you, you go on. She was very helpful to me in that way. And we're so thankful for people. And, and you serve in that role to some people and you parents. Uh, you'll be thanked for that someday, for the careful way that we help people see limitations and graciously lead them to transformation. As we wrap up, um, it's interesting to me that this parable does not occur in any of the other Gospels. It's just in the Gospel of Matthew. And I was thinking about Matthew. And remember Matthew's life? Remember how he started out, how he was when he met Jesus? He was a tax collector. Uh, he was sort of the scum of the earth. He was someone that the, that the, the people of God would have written off and said, y'all stay away from that guy. He's bad news. And here, some years later, he's undergone a complete transformation. And he's now one of the 12 apostles. And he's responsible for teaching us with the words of Jesus today. Another great reminder to play the long game and to not give up on the power of Jesus Christ. For we have, from the soil of our own hearts, produced both good and evil. And we're reminded today that the good that we have produced by the power of the Holy Spirit will live eternally. These are not small things, even and maybe especially when they're hidden and no one ever sees them. 
until the judgment, until the end of all things. And the evil that we have given birth to will be destroyed. Thanks be to God that we are not judged only by one growing season, but that we are judged and we are given time. And God is patient with us. And our fields have another shot at it next year. We can attend to the soil health year-round. We who have ears, let us hear. And let us patiently welcome the gardening of the cross. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.